Would you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 13? Luke chapter 13. I'd like you to look at a passage, a couple of passages this morning actually, that um, highlight uh, an experience and a thought for us to look at. Uh, Luke 13. If we would begin, if you had found that, uh, if you have one of the hard book Bibles that are in front of you, it's on page 728. Luke 13. And we're going to begin with verse 22, Luke 13, verse 22. And then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. As we discovered last week, or earlier we were talking about, this is part of the travel narrative. The travel narrative begins in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, when Jesus said, in the book reveals, that he turned his face resolutely towards Jerusalem. In other words, he was making his way, his last journey towards the cross. And he was traveling down from Palestine. So on his way, he was teaching, the Bible says. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him as he was on his way, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? You see, the rabbis of the day, they loved and delighted in talking about that. Because they would be judgmental of everybody. And they would look at each other and say, does your behavior, is the way you are acting, reflect whether you're going to be saved or not? Are you righteous enough for God to save you? And of course, as they looked at themselves, they would say yes, because they were following the law of God as, as uh, meticulously as they could. And they were forcing others and pointing out other sins with them. So they loved that discussion. So when someone asked him, is it hard to be saved, asking Jesus about that. Now, have you ever wondered about that yourself? Is it hard to be saved? Have you ever wondered about that and thought of that and said, I don't know. I, I've been trying to think, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. So Jesus said to them, and he answered to this uh, man who asked him, every, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Does that sound hard to you? Many try. Many try to enter through that, the narrow door, but they will be unable to. Now, there's a very similar passage, and I'll pull this together if you turn to Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount. First was on the travel narrative, and it's obviously that Jesus has repeated this same theme. And so, on the Mount of Olives, excuse me, on the Mount um, where he preached the Sermon on the Mount, up in north of Galilee, he has the people gathered there in chapter 7. This is part of the great Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, as he's speaking with them and going to them, verse 13, he said to them, Now, narrow, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, that sounds tough, doesn't it? Only a few. So this would looking at the, at, the, uh, at the Pharisees saying, yes, yes, I'm the one that found it. I'm one of the founds it, and the rest of you have not found it. So good luck. And we might 
play with that idea and as you read that say well it must be really tough must be really tough now I stole part of this from from a fellow pastor so you'll because it ministered to me so I'm going to share it with you <laughs> Morris Vanden shared this with me and I as with many others and I thought ah, there it is so I'll ask you the question is it hard or easy to be saved is it hard or easy to be saved so so I'd like you to think about this for a few minutes and in order for you in order for you to be lost in order for you to be lost you have to do certain things if you are going to be lost first of all you have to dismiss the prayers of people around the world who are praying for your salvation you're going to have to dismiss that so there's an action you're going to have to take and let's face it there are millions of Christians around the world that are praying for other Christians I remember growing up I used to pray for them when I was a child still do pray for people that the gospel will go and save many and so in order for you to be lost first of all you have to dismiss you have to set that aside that people are praying for you so you have to get rid of that so second second you have to deny the appeals of Christians for you to accept Christ so a person accept Christ to become a follower of him you have to say no I'm, go I'm going to I'm going to reject that I'm going to deny that I'm going to set that aside so now I have to take another step here I have to stop all that number three you have to ignore what the Bible says now there are many people who haven't read the Bible and aren't reading but if you read the Bible there is from page to page through there an appeal of God for you to come to him you can read that all the way through all the way through from Genesis to Revelation there's that appeal that comes so if you've reading the Bible or not or you're going to have to ignore its message or set it aside keep it shut millions of people do take that action you won't be able to come number four so number four is you come along and now you have to stop praying for God's help so you got to stop that so you have to take another action now, I'm not going to pray anymore not going to say oh help me God and then that say you know people say that kind of a swear thing or something in difficulty calling out to God to help them we got to stop that and I got to quit that you see and then you have to kind of you know do it your own way do it my way not his way my way number five you have to resist God's love for you because God said for God so loved the world what they gave his only begotten son so God's love reaching out to all of you you're going to have to resist God's love and stop that and then you're going to have to ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is like the hound of heaven who is out speaking to you calling for you prompting you to come to him to do right you're gonna to have to stop all that and have to quit all that and then you're going to have to reject God's grace in saving you you're gonna to have to set that aside and get rid of that so forth so if you're going to be lost you got to actively work at it Isn't that sound right you have to work at it in other words you have to say I'm on my own I don't need God I'm gonna handle this myself whatever the circumstances so here I am I'll take care of it and you're perfectly willing to do that 
But if you don't, if you don't resist, if you don't fight your own way, God will gently lead you to him. If you don't resist, you'll keep going. And many of you have been in your experience, resisted him for a long time, and then finally you gave up and said, all right. I know that story. That's mine. Resisting. And then his draw, his call to you. So, in short, you open your heart to him. Open your heart. So, if I were to ask you, is it hard or easy to be saved? You could say, well, if you want to be lost, you've got to work at it. You've got to really work at it. <laughs> I think that's a positive, don't you? That's a good thing. So, but what did Jesus say then? Because he said, you know, narrow is the way, few find it. How in the world? Broadway, people take the Broadway and are lost. So what is Jesus talking about? Now in Matthew 13, another passage there, he tells an interesting parable that is related to this in a sense. And that particular is when he talks in a parable and he said, verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and he planted it in his field. And though it is smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest in the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, this last couple weeks, we've been talking about one small step for man, remember? We've been doing that. I remember that. I remember that. So, <laughs> a few years ago, I was, I was over at... Um, Cape Kennedy, Cape Canaveral. And I had never been there. I thought, oh, this is going to be fabulous. I thought it would look like Disneyland. <laughs> and I get over there, and it looks like a bunch of warehouses. And have you been there? I just kind of, wow, this is really disappointing. And I thought, boy, it'd be fancy stuff. No, it's just warehouses and things not much to look at. They took us on a bus and said, see all those parts laying there? Those are parts of rockets that we've recollected. Oh. Look like scrap. So anyway, going by there. So they went in and they had a mock-up of the moon landing. I don't know if they still do there, but and they had the had the capsule, a mock-up of the capsule and kind of a ground to look like it. And we go in there and this man who has absolutely colorless in his speaking, he said to How many of you remember the moon landing? Oh yeah, I shot my hand up and I looked around. And I was about 20 of us out of 150. Okay. How many of you remember the moon landing? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. <laughs> that was quite a day, wasn't it? That was quite a day. I'll never forget that. And what was said there, what was said there was as Neil Armstrong stepped out onto the moon. He said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. As he stepped out onto the surface of the moon. I'll never forget it. it was a huge day. Sorry you missed it. One small step for a man. See, started something huge. Signified something huge. Just one walk, one step. 
I would like to suggest to you planting one small step, one small seed of the mustard seed. The mustard seed grows, and if you nurture it, let it grow, it grows into a huge household of faith in your own heart. Amen. If you will let it go. Let it grow. All right, back to narrow doors, narrow gates, and mustard seed. So what did Jesus mean by that? What was Jesus talking about? Well, when we were in Jerusalem just a short time ago, we went, and one of the gates we saw was the Damascus Gate. There were several gates around. This is the city of Jerusalem, as you would see it today. And there are gates that go through the old city walls. And they are large. Some of them are larger than others, and you can walk through. The word gates and doors, in both Luke uses doors, gates in Matthew, are referring basically to the same thing. They're not talking about a garden gate. They're talking about a gate into the wall, an opening way. They one onto a roadway. And as soon as you walk through those gates, as you walk through, you're into streets that go down with all the little shops. And you can go there. And we'd had a wonderful time walking down them as you walk down those shops. It gave you an interesting thing to walk in Jerusalem like that. So you walk that. But that's one type of gate. There's another gate in Jerusalem on the mall called the Eye of the Needle. Do you see how big that one is? See, a camel couldn't get through the Eye of the Needle. That's what Jesus was talking about. For a rich man to get into heaven, it's easier for a camel to get through the Eye of the Needle. There it is. That was up on Temple Square. You can walk by that. It's hard to even notice it there. As you walk by, you'll see the Eye of the Needle. So those, those gates, that narrow passage going through, so they were talking, Jesus was talking about using the illustration like the Damascus Gate, where many people go in and out, as compared to the narrow gate, where you had to be careful as you went through, and you had to bend down to get through the narrow gate. Okay. So the pathway of the narrow gate, the pathway of the narrow gate, to go, to go through the narrow gate, what was Jesus talking about? Why was it so hard? Why was it so few people would find that? Why would it be difficult to them? And the reason behind it is, it is the gate to humility. Gate to humility. There's something in us that, that we don't, we have to be, you know, there's pride. There's, a, there's a, a feeling of pride. I just noticed this headline. I don't know if you caught it. Constance Wu demanded top billing over Jonathan Lopez and Cardi B in Hustlers. What was she asking? She was saying, me first. Me first, wasn't that right? She was saying, me first. The first shall be what? Last. The first shall be last. I don't know if you have children that grow up. Me first, me first. Gonna have ice cream. Oh, me first, me first. So when our boys were going up, I, I got tired of that. So I said, when you say me first. You're actually saying, the first shall be last, and you want to go last. <laughs> so they forgot that. Oh, me first, me first. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Scott. 
You will be last. That was so nice of you. All the rest of us were ahead of you. That is so kind of you. Pretty soon they caught on. Dad, I'd like to be last today. Ah, the last shall be what? First. <laughs> Humility. Humility. The gate is wide to self-importance. The gate is so wide that we want, we want to walk down because we're important. And we take pride of who we are. So I, I want to plaster my degrees all over the walls. So everything, everything I could think of to put on the walls so that I could look at it and realize I'm important. I thought one time of just hanging my, my eighth grade diploma <laughs> on the wall. Just that, see if anybody noticed. Probably not. Self-importance, so important that, ah, me first, I, I got to be sure, that, take care of me first. If we would enter into Christ-likeness, we must surrender un-Christ-likeness. We must do that. Surrendering that. It's not easy, is it? Not easy. How do I realize? How do I stop that? How do I make that journey? It's realizing what my selfish, sinful life costs. That's what brings humility. It brings humility to know that Christ paid for that. You know? He went to the cross to pay for my selfish, sinful life. And as a result of that, I cannot stand in self-pride, self-importance, because somebody else knows me and yet still loves me. I'd like you to follow this passage of David out of the Old Testament. I'd like for you to look just at this one passage as we look together. It is just a little bit, just three verses, right in the very first of the Psalms, Psalm chapter one. Just, just, there. just listen to it as we share it together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners and take or seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law. Law meaning 
the first five books, not just the Ten Commandments, first five books. In other words, takes delight in God's word. But those who delight in God's word, it could say, and who meditates on his book, on his life, day and night, that person is like a tree, the mustard seed, is like the tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whether they, uh, wherever they are, whatever they prosper. So, that, that giving of understanding, it is from Scripture I recognize my role. I see my importance only relies in Christ. I am his child. And so my importance is a gift to me, because he values me. That's why I'm a value. I'm related to the king by his blood. And therefore, I'm important in him. Just as you are. All equal. <laughs> They're all equal. So, so this person is like planted that mustard seed by the streams of water. And because of that, because I delight in knowing my relationship with God and finding him and finding my servant, what happens with that is that growth is that my fruit comes out of me to help others and around me because I am with Jesus. The easiest way is just to go to Christ. The easiest way is just to learn from him. Lord, let me be with you. The easiest way. Easiest way to heaven. So it is a sobering thought. Sobering thought about self and about self-righteousness and self-thought. And it's a discipline, a self-discipline to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. So this morning, we end with this. Jesus asks, are you coming? Are you coming? Lord, I thank you for these uh, illustration of gates and doors. Of the mustard seed, they are, they're just simple little illustrations, but with a profound truth. Not to show us how hard it is to find heaven, but how much our need is to come to Christ. To be dependent upon him. He creates our value, not a value that we create ourselves. All that we do and all that we offer, Lord, is nothing. But when we come to you, you find us the pearls of great price. You, you find us as of gold. You find us as your children. And you love us and welcome us home. May we all find the narrow gate. Amen.